Well, uh, it's always a pleasure to be at the 11 o'clock traditional worship service. Uh, even if I am a little uh, upset with our senior pastor, Tim Steffen, for assigning me today, um, it's still good to be here. Um, the re reason I'm upset is because we're, we're in the third part of a series called The Victory. That's not what I'm upset about. But the big three, we, we've gone worship, discipleship, and now service. If you were here the first week, the point of the message on worship was for you to get involved in Okay, we're, we're interacting. Okay, uh, the point of the second message was for you to be involved in small discipleship groups, things. Um, and so where do you think we're going today? You should be involved in See, it's a dead giveaway. I mean, you already know how this is going to end. We even gave you a little card in the bulletin that's a giveaway. It's kind of like you show up one Sunday in the fall, and there, there's a message that says it's on giving or something like that, and there's a commitment card where you can fill out how much you're going to give. You're like, I see where they're going with this. It's like a giveaway before the message even gets started. But at least today, we had uh, we had Russell Lloyd with, with Mountain Music, and we had the Bowman Brass. So even if you know how the sermon's going to end before it even gets started, at least we had good music to help get us there. And so this morning, I, I was thinking about there, there are so many wonderful passages you can look at for why we should serve. And I was like, well, if people already know that I'm going to tell them they should serve, shouldn't we have a little bit of fun with it? Shouldn't we find a different passage that you might expect to talk about service? So that if, if we've got to wind up somewhere we all know we're going to wind up, at least we can have fun in the process. So the message for this morning is about love. Jesus' new commandment to love one another. And we, we heard it read just a few minutes ago so beautifully and so eloquently. And it's this great passage that some of you probably have heard before. But I think that it actually ties in perfectly with this idea of service and what we're looking at as part of our big three message. And so the, the way that I think it ties in is I think that it, it ties in from the aspect of motivation. Now, when you think about service, there, there are probably a few things that come to your mind. One of them is probably getting your car service. We're still interacting. Okay, so one of them is having your car service um, or going to the restaurant and receiving service. service from a waiter or a waitress. Okay, so those are things that come to our mind when we think of service. Now, in each of those cases of service, there is a motivation behind what they are offering in their service. When you go to have your car service, what is the mechanic's motivation? Money. 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 Getting paid. Exactly. When you go and you have service at a restaurant, what is the motivation of your waitress or waiter? Tip. Wages. Money. Now, there might be a reason behind that motivation beyond just, oh, I'm looking for money. It might be that the, the mechanic is someone who, who's working a, a couple of jobs to try to put food on the table. The, the waitress might be a single mom or a college student trying to work their way through school. There are all different things that might motivate us to offer some sort of service, but behind every kind of service, there is some sort of motivation. Now, in life, pretty much everything that we 
do has some sort of motivation to it. If we do something on a regular basis, chances are there's something motivating us to do it or else we wouldn't do it after a while. And I, I, I'm starting to see this in my own life because a couple of weeks ago, my wife had the brilliant idea that we needed a second dog. And with, with the dog, we, we, are, we are doing puppy training all over again. We have a three-and-a-half-year-old lab mix who is a perfect angel. Just as sweet and perfect as she can be. Some people are, some of my family members just want to point that. Like they don't believe that she's a perfect angel. She is. It's my dog. And, and so she is this, you know, really good dog. We had a really good time. Um, she was somewhat easy to raise. But then we got Sadie, the new one. And Sadie is, you know, sweet and charming when other people are around. And then when other people aren't around, she turns into the Tasmanian devil which is a lot of fun when you're trying to train a said puppy. And so with Sadie, we have developed motivation for good behavior. There is a reward for everything. Oh, good, you didn't chew the couch. Here's a bone. Oh, good, you didn't bite my finger off. Here's a treat. Oh, good, you went to the bathroom where you're supposed to. Here's a treat. And so we, we are working hardcore on potty training the dog. And so we're, we are down to roughly about one accident a day. That's good work for my whole puppy. So, so All right, so we're, we're down to one accident a day, which we're really excited about. And what we're doing is we are rewarding her behavior when she goes where she's supposed to go. And so we're, we're just seeing it, and she gets... She goes out in the yard where she's supposed to. She uses the bathroom, and we start cheering for her like she just won the spelling bee as a dog. I mean, we are so impressed. We're like high-fiving, high-falling her, and we, we have a special treat she only gets for, for bathroom-related achievements. And so uh, we, get, we get really excited and, and just encourage her in what she's doing. And what we're noticing is the fact that we're rewarding it She's starting to do what she's supposed to. She's doing things like going and sitting by the door when she needs to go. And so th this is the truth, and you might have heard the saying before, what is rewarded is repeated. The things that we receive a reward for are things that we're going to repeat. Now, your motivation for the things that you do in life is probably not puppy treats. Um, there's probably something else motivating you, but I think it's motivation is what really brings to life service. Behind every kind of service, there is some sort of motivation. And I think that's where the story of Jesus' new command to love one another comes into play. Now, this is not a story that is unfamiliar. Um, I have heard this story pretty much my whole life. In fact, when I was in second grade Sunday school, Miss um, Ethel, my Sunday school teacher, she required everyone in the class to memorize the scripture. When you went trick-or-treating at her house, there was a password to get the treats. It was love one another. You had to know it. it she expected you to know it. And so from that point on in my life, it's just been ingrained in me. That's part of the Christian life. That's part of what we do. We love one another. And, and it's just something that, that's nice and happy and we, we enjoy hearing it. But, but what does it really mean? What does it really cause us to do? And what is it that is motivating us 
to do? Well, I believe that if you look at this scripture, it, it has everything to do with motivation to love one another by expressing it in service. Now, when you go to seminary, one of the things that they, they teach you, um, and I, I don't encourage you to go to seminary unless you have a desire to have no social life for three years. But if you ever go to seminary or if you've ever been before, one of the things they teach you is how to look at a scripture in its context. You don't just say, oh, it means love one another and then that's the end of it. You, you, you zoom out and look at what's going on with it around there. And because I've, I've done that with this one, I think that it has everything to do with service. And here's why. This passage is, is a very important passage in the life of Jesus' ministry because he has come to what he knows is the end. At the beginning of the chapter, John chapter 13, um, it says, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his half hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. And then it continues, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So as we begin this chapter, we know from the very beginning, Jesus knows his time is near. And we know that Jesus loves his disciples. That he loves them. And so we, we know that everything that follows is going to be an expression of that love. Well, the very next thing that we are alerted that happens is they're, they're getting ready to have a meal. And Jesus goes to wash his disciples' feet. Perhaps you've heard this story before. He, he takes off his tunic or his robe, whatever it was, and he kneels down, he pours water in a basin, and he starts washing their feet. This was a very lowly servant responsibility, something that was reserved for lowly servants to do. And so the disciples, I, I, you got to love Peter, because Peter is always the one to interject with what, what we're kind of thinking in the back of our heads. It's almost like Peter was like, I'm just going to anticipate people's objections 2,000 years in advance, and I'm going to go ahead and say them. And so Peter is just firing back, you know, Lord, you shouldn't wash me. I should be the one washing your feet. And this is what Jesus says to him. He says, unless I wash you, you have no share in me. Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. And that, that, that phrasing just stuck with me, no share with me. Unless you experience what I'm doing for you and what it represents, you will not understand who I am as, as the Messiah. And so Jesus is saying, this is part of my expression of who I am. This is part of what I came here to do. Unless you receive this, you will have no share in what it is that I'm about. And so, Jesus washes their feet. Then a couple of verses later, he says, do the same. And then there are a few more things that happen. And then he gets to this new commandment. Love one another. So Jesus has, has shown love to his disciples. They serve them. And then he's encouraged them to both serve and to love one another. And so it's all bracketed in this context of love. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, that, that's what's going on here. This whole idea of service 
salvation is love. But here's the thing about it. I didn't have to go to seminary to learn that service and love go hand in hand. I didn't have to learn that in school because I've seen it my whole life as I've participated in the life of the church. I saw it in a second grade Sunday school teacher who, who I assume more or less said, if they can just grasp this one thing, love one another, the rest will take care of itself. I've seen it in ushers and greeters smiling and welcoming you to church on Sunday mornings. I've seen it through Sunday school teachers, through youth leaders, through volunteers, through small group leaders that I've had from, from the time I was born up until now, that that service that they're doing, that they're motivated by something. And that something, I believe, is love that's behind it all. A few years ago, I came across a quote that really brought this out to me, why we should serve, why we should be motivated by love. And it was a quote by a guy who is one of the pastors of a church up in Indiana. And he said, your life bears a message, a message of hope and redemption. But before people in your world encounter your message, they encounter you. Your life bears a message of hope and redemption. But before people encounter that message, they are going to encounter you. And I believe that that's true for us as individuals. I think it's also especially true for churches and how we operate in the church. And there, there was a story about this guy who had that quote that really brought that out for me. He was um, free of responsibilities for one particular Sunday morning. And so he found himself sitting out in the congregation for one of their worship services. And he was sitting directly behind a family with a teenage boy who, before the service, was playing a Game Boy. And so he's sitting there playing a video game in the middle of the church service, and this guy is just thinking to himself, well, he'll, he'll turn it off when it's time for the service again. Service begins, and he's still going at it. He had the volume down, but it was still kind of distracting. And so his instinct was, I need to stop this kid. This kid, I, I know if he's distracting me, he's going to be distracting other people around us. So I, I need to interrupt and, and, and stop him before he distracts anyone from the worship service. But as he's about to lean forward, <laughs> he said something just calls him to stop. He leaned back for a couple of minutes. And then he finally leans forward and he taps the kid on the shoulder. He said, hey, I know the website that will tell you all the cheat codes to win that level in that game. And the kid had this instant connection with him. And eventually the kid would put the game up and the kid would concentrate on the worship service and, and the family would be able to engage and the people around would be able to engage. What he didn't realize before he tapped the kid on the shoulder is that this, this child was severely autistic and that his family had never been able to find a church home that would welcome them because of their child but because he realized my life bears a message, our church bears a message of hope and redemption, but before this family is going to encounter that message, they're going to encounter me. They're going to encounter us. <laughs> and so I believe that, that if we have that mindset, 
jump in and interrupt you and put you in your place? Or will they experience something that's motivated by love? Something that's motivated by that command of love one another. And showing that love so that people can hear the message. And here, here's what I believe about our church. I believe that this church has an incredible opportunity. An incredible opportunity to encounter people from all walks of life with a message of hope and redemption. But before people encounter the message, before people hear the Bowman Brass playing or the choir singing or Russell Lloyd's old mountain time music or Tim Stephan preach or John Horton preach or Anthony McPhail preach, before they hear that message, they're going to encounter us. And the question is, are, are they going to encounter a people who, who are just here going through the motions, or are they going to encounter a people who are embodying the command of Jesus to love one another, embodying the command of Jesus to go and serve like I have served you? And so it all comes back to that aspect of motivation. And I, I believe that there are four areas as I have looked at different churches over the years that, that I believe are areas that Healthy churches are just rocking and rolling. They're doing a really good job in these areas. And those four areas are over-the-top <laughs> hospitality, number one. That when you go to a church that's healthy and vibrant, um, you can't help but walk in and be greeted by 20 different people. Some of them are official greeters. Some of them are just people going out of their way to make sure that you're welcome. Second thing is exceptional kids programming and kids facilities. We, we've done a little bit of work in our kids area, but uh, our, our church council earlier this month uh, charged the nominating committee to come up with a facilities task force that's going to look at that area and this area and all the areas of our church and see how we can improve those spaces to make them more uh, welcoming to families in our community. But, but we have a need with kids ministry. We have a need for more volunteers to be involved with it. And you get a really cool green shirt like Ann Schultz is wearing. Um, and they're awesome. But beyond getting a really cool shirt, you, you have a chance to, to impact some kids' lives. You have a chance to be that messenger of hope to kids and their families before they encounter this service, before they encounter any of our worship services. And, and that's a, a real need for, for the people who are volunteering down there already to have the opportunity to come and worship and not have to work every single week. The third thing is uh, that generally when you go to a church that's healthy and growing, it's usually a distraction-free worship service. That means you're not having to contend with, oh, the music's too loud, oh, the music's too quiet, oh, I can't hear the preacher. Uh, it means that they have people who are helping in tech ministry that are volunteering to make sure behind the scenes that everything is working so that the service runs smoothly. And the fourth thing, and I, I think this is the area that we probably do the best job in, I know there's certainly more that we can do, um, is that you don't even have to go looking for it. It's just blatantly obvious that these churches that are growing, that are healthy, that are bringing people to Christ with a message of hope and redemption, that they are actively focus on outward missions. They're doing things out in the community like Meals on Wheels and Making Outreach um, and Habitat for Humanity. 
and you don't even have to look for it. It's just part of their DNA, and you just notice it right away. And so, so here, here is where we are today. In your bulletin, you have a, a tear-off where you can tear it off, and you may already be serving somewhere, and we want to encourage you and edify you in what you're already doing. And so there's a spot where you can check that and write that in. But if you're not serving anywhere, we're, we're saying these are areas where we, we could use some extra help. And we're saying these, these are places that if our people get involved in, if we have a few extra people involved in, we can make sure that the message that people encounter before they encounter the message within here is a message of love and of welcome and of hospitality. And so I, I encourage you as we, we go into our response time, as we sing our closing song, to consider if, if you're already serving but still have some extra time on your hand, um, one, I want you to tell me how you do it. And secondly, uh, we encourage you to sign up for something else. Um, some of you who might not be serving anywhere, this is an opportunity to respond, to be motivated by that love command that Jesus gave, to love one another, to express that love to one another. And, and th this is what I believe. I believe that, that our church has amazing things to offer. Um, but there's only so much that, that John and Ellen and Tim and I can do. Um, we need everybody in on it to be that welcoming face, to be the people motivated by love, to show love to each other by serving and being involved in the ministries that we have. And Jesus said it this way. If you love one another, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is what, from Jesus' days on earth, he said this is what's going to characterize you. This is what people are going to look at and, and they're going to be dying to hear that message of hope and redemption that we have to offer if they see that all that we're about is love. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you just for the example of love that Christ showed. The example of service that Christ showed. And Lord, we pray that we would be motivated, that we would be spurred on to acts of service and acts of love that we would glorify you and bring honor and praise to your name in the way that we welcome people in the way that we serve in your church. And uh, Lord, I just pray that in each of our hearts that you would show us how you would